Welcome to All Your Favorite Music is Probably, where we take a theme dive into popular songs and unearth the connections like erector sets. I'm your host, Mark Montgomery French, music culture writer, film composer, and octave pedal enthusiast. Today's theme is All Your Favorite Music is Probably Secretly Prince. And my guest today is filmmaker Charlotte Gutierrez. Hi, Charlotte. Hey, how you doing today, Mark? I'm good. I think the coffee's kicking in. It sure is. And the, the, the donut sugar is kicking in. The donut is. I went. We went on a quest for a donut, and I'm very happy. And yes, it's all kicking in. Should I be sweating? Because that's what's happening right now. I'm actually starting the, to vibrate. Yes, yes. The shaking is starting. <laughs> you remember the 80s? I remember. I, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a point in which... Prince seemed to be everywhere all times, whether it was his music or other people pretending to do his music or people just dressing like him. Yes. And then he would sneak other songs out when we weren't looking. Like, like what was the point when you realized Manic Monday by the Bengals was a Prince song? Now that I'm thinking about it, I actually didn't know that Manic Monday was a Prince song probably until... Oh, five years ago, to tell you the truth, now that I look back. He gave himself the composer credit, Alexander Nevermind. That's not the way you promote yourself if you want people to know. So why do you think he did that? Why didn't he, why did he not want to take credit for things that he actually did? My guess is that he loved music so much, he didn't want to come off like an insane person who never leaves the studio because he never left the studio. Part of his whole thing was, I'm sexy and I'm picking up chicks, and which he did, but inevitably, almost all of his girlfriends end up recording an album because his idea of a hot date is to go knock out six songs. I could see that being a hot date, though, with Prince. That is true. One of the things I didn't know about till later was back in 1983, Stevie Nicks co-wrote Stand Back with Prince. Okay, and I did not know that Probably until now. I love how educational <laughs> this show can be. Like many people, she was listening to Little Red Corvette and humming along. And then she started to hum a different line to his melody and wrote a new song based on that. So she calls him up because if you're Stevie Nicks, you can do that. And said, hey, I wrote a new song over Little Red Corvette. How about we split publishing 50-50? And he went, sure, I like that. But when it came time to record it, he showed up. So all the synths in the chorus that's playing the really high eighth notes off the beat, that's all Prince. So then he said, Stevie, stand back, stand back. Here I come. <laughs> and then she probably towered over him because you know, she was taller and had really high boots. But So with that, I'm going to play the secretly Prince written and secretly Prince performed song by Stevie Nicks called Stand Back.
And that was Stand Back by Stevie Nicks, secretly co-written by Prince, because he was doing secret co-writes. And another secret co-write he did was Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls. And apparently, Prince was watching Sheena Easton on TV and said, I should write her a song. And because he's Prince, he gave her an entire track. Now, she was already doing an album with somebody else. And Prince is like, here, here's a track. And other producer just stepped aside <laughs> while Prince did a whole different song uh, than was expected. And she Easton went, sure, that's cool. I like this song. She was in contract to do the other album and the other producer. Greg Mathiason was the contracted producer for the album. And he gets the credit. And I only think Prince took credit for producing this song. But if you hear the track, it's clearly all him. Yeah, it's definitely him. I mean, come on, Sugar Walls. Yeah, I mean, everything about the, the words, all the instrumentation. to your private spots. I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. But also those drums are his. You take that song and put it up against any other song he made in 84. That's clearly Prince doing everything but singing. It's a great song and it really holds up. I was confused at the time of what he was talking about. You were? It's, um, let's see, I'm in high school. I kind of knew, but why sugar? I thought that was an interesting metaphor to use. You know, in high school, okay, so since we didn't have the internet to go and look up things like Sugar Walls, I didn't know either. But there's a bunch of songs I didn't know, like, metaphorically what they were trying to say. Yeah, I mean, from the vibe of the song, I think I knew what the song was about. But yeah, there's hints in there for sure. Yeah. So let's listen to the song that also got him in big trouble with the feds, Sugar Walls by Sheena Easton. Feel the 
was Sugar Walls by Sheena Easton, and this song got him in trouble. Many songs Prince wrote got him in trouble, but this sister, among other things. Oh, sister. What about, did Head get him in trouble? Head got him in trouble, but this one got him in trouble on a federal level because Tipper Gore, the wife of former Vice President Al Gore, decided that this song that was sold to her teenage daughter without a explicit lyric sticker was awful. And she and some other Washington wives formed the PMRC, the Parents Music Resource Center, and they were determined to keep dirty lyrics and vile songs away from the youth of America. And they had a list called the Filthy 15. Do you know what's on the Filthy 15? Uh, Darling Nikki? Number one, Darling Nikki. Also, Sugar... Oh! Ooh, that was a guess. Very I can't good. believe I got that right. I will give you your $5 after Add the recording. The back. <laughs> <laughs> Darling Nikki, Sugar Walls, so Prince wrote two of the Filthy 15, Judas Priest, Eat Me Alive, Vanity, Strap on Robbie Baby, a Vanity song that Prince did not write, Motley Crue's Bastard. There's so many other worse Motley Crue songs. Um, ACDC's Let Me Put My Love Into You, again. There are worse songs that could be on this hey, list. Maybe Tipper just had a dirty mind. Maybe he was talking about, you know, something different, like toothpaste. Uh, tooth exactly. Like I love you. I don't want you to get cavities. <laughs> <laughs> Twisted sister, we're not gonna take it. I'm not sure why that was. Maybe because they dressed somewhat uh, inappropriately for their gender, but this is about music, so I don't know why that song. Madonna dress you up. Dress you up? Obviously, Tipper didn't get out much. Wasp, animal, bleep like a beast. Okay, I see why that one may have been on the list. Def Leppard's High and Dry, I think that made drinking sound like fun. Merciful Fate, Into the Coven. Now, Merciful Fate's lead singer is King Diamond. King Diamond is an out-and-out Satanist. So really, anything Merciful Fate had, she wouldn't have liked. Mary Jane Girls, In My House, in a list... That goes from Merciful Fate to Mary Jane Girls clearly is just randomly picking songs. Okay, yeah, no, and, and, and that is a great song. Yes. Black Sabbath Trashed, Venom, Possessed, and Cyndi Lauper's She-Bob. <sighs> tipper, tipper, tipper. And it just seems like any rando song that their kids had that they didn't like ended up on this list when all these people have made much more outlandish, much more outrageous songs. So was it that song that actually kicked off that entire thing of having albums labeled? Literally, by the end of that year, we got the explicit lyric sticker that has never gone away. I remember that. I know that sticker. Everybody does. Everybody does. If your only place to buy a record at that time was Walmart, you would get the clean version or they wouldn't take your album because it had a sticker on it. And in fact, I think one of the people who really was the first to make clean and explicit versions was, of all people, Two Live Crew. This is before, I think, the sticker. Maybe. So did Prince ever make a clean version of his songs? 
Because I can't imagine. No, he just stopped cursing around 2000. Was that when he became a Jehovah's Witness? Yep. So he'll sing old songs, but he'll change some words and some songs. Once again, check out Prince's Sister. I don't think he started playing that song again after he became a witness. We have a friend that lived in the suburbs of St. Paul, and he heard a knock on the door. It was a Jehovah's Witnesses, and there was Prince. Whoa! Yeah. How did that go down? Well, this guy gets kind of shocked easily, so I think that he was probably just so stunned. He just babbled a lot. I would invite them in. I would I, say, you know what? In the, I'm making an, ex- an exception for you guys. Come on in. T- t- yeah, t- Let's talk. Tell me lot. more about your religion. Exactly. Just keep going because you're Prince. Was he dressed like Prince or did he like... I don't... I would love to know those details. I would assume he I, would wear a normal looking suit, maybe in some sensible shoes. I can't see him... With the yellow thing he wore to the MTV Video Awards where his butt was hanging out, I don't think he'd do that to try to get you to read The Watchtower. Oh, but you know what, though? If he did, that would probably get a lot more people interested. This is true. Loincloth, bandana around the neck. Bikini briefs and a copy of The Watchtower. Yeah, yeah, bikini briefs, the leopard ones. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what, but it looked like a loincloth to me when I was in high school. Is that the one he wore... There's a poster in Controversy where I think it's him in a shower. Oh, right. And yeah, I remember I hid that album from my parents. That, that, that is the poster you put up in your parents' house and they worry about you. Male, female, doesn't matter. 100% of the parents are like, what is this? Why? I had to do with it. I think it's still in my copy of the album. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, like I said, I hid that. But you know what? <laughs> he was hot. When I was speaking of high school, there was a song that came out called Oh Sheila that I was, I knew it was a Prince song. Prince was dating Sheila E. Of course, Oh Sheila was a Prince song. Oh Sheila was a complete forgery. Oh Sheila was done by Ready for the World. And there were a new band and they had two singles that went nowhere. And someone said, let's put out the Prince ripoff. And that went to number one. Keep in mind, a lot of people are trying to copy Prince in 84, 85. Get those drum beats, get those synthesizers, get the falsettos. And they actually managed to do a complete, complete ripoff rather well, I must say, to the point where I heard Jesse Johnson from the time say he heard it from another room on the radio and thought it was one of his songs. You know, it's funny. I didn't I never thought that when I heard that. Really? No, I didn't. I did not think it was a Prince song. And what's interesting is that those guys claim they weren't trying to make it sound like a Prince song. I'm like, somebody must have told you. Yeah. You didn't accidentally get those syncopations and that funk guitar and name it after his girlfriend, who's also a big star. I mean, you, I refuse to believe that was not their intention. Right. Yeah. They were all like, okay, let's name this one. Uh, uh, oh, Apollonia. Wait, wait, he's on to somebody else. Let's name it. Oh, Sheila. Oh, wait, wait. He broke up with her. Okay. Let's try somebody else. And with that, I'm going to play Oh Sheila by Ready for the World. Laughing always say, it's good for the geese, it's always good for the gander. Oh Sheila.
the global hit Oh Sheila by Ready for the World went to number one here and number nine in Belgium because the Belgians like Prince too enough to buy a fake one. How big was Prince internationally? Prince was about as big internationally as you could get at least between 84 and 87 but he was still touring the world up until 2016. Did you listen? I'm sure you did because everybody did. The Like a Prayer album by Madonna. Yes. Yes. Do you remember the first batch smelled like patchouli? I don't. But I probably would have resisted that because I went to UC Berkeley and I just couldn't. I was a very resistant to patchouli. At that point, if you'd walked in. It, gave me, to, it made me twitch. If you'd walked into Rasputin Records and smelled the first box, you probably couldn't tell because it smelled like the street you just walked from. Exactly. I wouldn't have known. It. So Like a Prayer is a wonderful album, and Prince contributed a song on there called Love Song, which is 
okay. And that was pretty much what most people think his contribution was to the album. Turns out he's on Like a Prayer. The guitar at the beginning of Like a Prayer and the guitar at the end of Like a Prayer of the 7-inch version has a solo. That's all Prince. And again, took no credit. So how did that happen? Warner Brothers, I think, realizes, hey, we need to maximize our potential from all the other acts who are on our label. So I'm sure it was, hey, Prince, buddy, fan of ours, would you mind giving Madonna a song? And he was probably like, really? Okay, fine. And I'm sure he wrote a song that day and said, here, and gave her a love song. Not one of my favorite Prince songs, by the way. It's okay. Maybe that's why he gave it to Madonna. You can have this one. I don't like it as much. There you go. To be fair, it is difficult to find someone who can sing a Prince song as well or even close to how Prince would do it, right? I think Sugar Walls happens to work, right? I think it's why he and Sheena Easton worked together a lot. Nothing compares to you. She did a good job with that one. Uh, That wasn't her. That was... Sinead O'Connor. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Sinead. Sorry, I was thinking when you said... That it's hard to find somebody. Yes. I was thinking, yes. sorry, I'll clarify. I was thinking Sinead did a pretty good job with, you She know, did. Pretty good. Have you heard that song lately, by the way? Uh, no, not lately. It is staggeringly beautiful. And one of the things that's so odd about it is you can tell it's a real drummer. He's just playing the most repetitive pattern, but because it's so sparse, it's the drums, you hear her, and then this orchestra comes up in the background. And it's not trying to be funky. It's really subtle. So you can hear all of the vulnerability of her. I mean, it's a beautifully produced song. She it was incre- well, she was incredibly talented. I'm not sure what I was reading an article about her recently. Uh yeah. By the way, do you know who inspired her to record that song? No. Prince? No, her manager, who used to manage da 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 Prince. That's how it happened? That's how it happened. I will now play for you Like a Prayer, featuring Prince on guitar at the beginning and the end by Madonna.
And that was on Weebly Weebly Guitar at the beginning and the end, Like a Prayer by Madonna. Number one, by the way, in 17 countries. Yeah, and, and a lot of those people never realized that Prince was doing the guitar at the beginning and the end on no. that song. And, you know, I think that Prince is highly underrated as a guitarist because I actually think he's incredible. And I think that's kind of his fault because he spent the first several albums just being awesome but not really featuring all his guitar playing. It's all kind of subtle and in the background. And then you get the Purple Rain and the guitar solo in almost every song. So do you think that Prince also felt like he was underrated after a while? I think so. I mean, let me put it to you this way, right? So When Doves Cry begins with a guitar solo, right? And there's two in there. Uh, when you think about Let's Go Crazy, not only is there two guitar solos in that, one at the end is just guitar solo. All the music stops, and he just keeps playing and playing and playing and playing until everything comes back. That's somebody who's like, look at me, I'm a guitar player. Finally, showing you what I can do. And I think that it was a smart move. It's like, dude, you're a rock star. Rock stars play guitar. Rock stars have guitar solos. Put on some guitar solos. Purple Rain. How long was the guitar solo? Like a minute? Yeah, it was pretty long, wasn't it's it? It's long. And if you saw him live, that guitar solo would go on endlessly. All good. When I saw him, Purple Rain was like 12 minutes long. Was that the Love Sexy Tour? Purple Rain Tour. Okay. I don't remember if he played Purple Rain on the Love Sexy Tour. I don't remember either because I had nosebleed seats and all I saw was a purple dot hopping up and down. I had a closer seat. He was still a purple dot hopping up and down. The man was not very tall. Yeah, but I mean, I fa practically felt like I was in the on the roof of the Oakland Coliseum <laughs> with a little hole cut out and peering through. That's not good. Uh, and I was on a date. That sucked. That's not impressive. That's not impressive. Here's what's impressive. In 1991, he got together with Martika, who, as we both know, was on Kids Incorporated on the Disney Channel, along with Fergie from Black Eyed Peas. Her big song was Toy Soldiers. And the next album, she managed to get her lyric book to Prince, and Prince said, oh, I'll write a song, and gave her a track. And that became the hit Love Thy Will Be Done. Now, what I find interesting about this, besides it being a big hit, is that he took a big sample of a Cocteau Twins song. I love the Cocteau Twins. So... If you know the song 50-50 Clown, that's literally what he's playing on top of. And to think that he took a Cocteau Twin sample and turned it into a hit song is kind of amazing. I guess he appreciated an eclectic range of music. I guess he did. So let's hear Martika's Love Thy Will Be Done, co-written by Prince. Just begun, and I see all of you. 
was Love That Will Be Done by Martika, co-written and completely performed by Prince with a big old, big old sample from Cocteau Twins, 50-50 Clown. Prince did mention once that he thought Cocteau Twins can do a certain kind of music that people would not accept him doing. So I guess he sort of got his cake and ate it too, but <laughs> basically pinching them. I wonder why he thought that people wouldn't accept him doing that style of music. Although we had a very wide variety of music, there were some things very formal about Prince. Prince very rarely would put together a clashing chord sound, right? He would very rarely move out of 4-4. He would very rarely bring in ethnic instruments. There's certain things about him that he just didn't do for whatever reason. And nothing's wrong with that. Everybody has the thing they do well and they work within those things. In a lot of the Cocteau Twin songs, I don't know what she's saying. I don't even know if they're words. And I don't know if he felt he could go that far and just make vocal noises and have people not think he's lost his mind. Although to be fair, bring a Prince fan means every couple of years, I think the boy's lost his mind. Well, it also I think people get used to an artist doing a certain thing. And when they go out of the zone that people are expecting, it seems like fans can get upset. Yes, um, Which isn't really, it's not fair to the artist. It's not fair to the artist. One of my favorite albums is uh, Stevie Wonder's Journey into the Secret Life of Plants that is still 
has its detractors and its huge fans. What it did not have was sales. And you know what? I know other people love that album, too. I'm, and I I'm, think I will have to revisit that album. As you should. I am one of them. So it's interesting that Prince nicked a sample from Cocteau Twins because Arrested Development, the band, not the show, nicked the word Tennessee from Prince's Alphabet Street. And when you hear that word Tennessee in their big song, Tennessee, that's Prince. Except Prince actually went to the band after we're starting to make some heat and said, I want you to give me $100,000 or you're going to have to pull the single. And that was a huge hit for them. Yes. They didn't ask before they did it. Oh, this is hip hop in the 90s. No one asked anybody. Yeah, like the whole Martha Wash thing. Oh, that's just theft. Yeah, that was complete theft. We she are, got robbed. We are referring to the many times Martha Wash, the wonderful singer, saying what was supposed to be a demo part of a song ended up being a huge hit. CNC Music Factory, going to make you sweat. And then in the videos, she's replaced by skinnier models. To be fair, she did sue and she got paid. One of the few times it ever happened in which someone who was robbed of their work got compensated. The lead rapper of Arrested Development is named Speech. Speech. And Speech said he thought Prince did him a favor because Prince could have demanded all the song royalties. Believe it or not, Lou Reed gets 100% of the royalties from A Tribe Called Quest, Can I Kick It? Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. Okay, so what is Lou Reed's part in Can I Kick It? He That baseline is from Welcome to the Wild Side. I forgot. Lou Reed lawyer didn't. Now, to be yeah, honest, I completely forgot that that because I, I love Tribe Called Quest and I also love Lou Reed, but I didn't realize that, that he got 100 percent. No, that isn't also, that extreme. That, that sounds like poor negotiation on Jive Records part. Keep in or mind. No negotiation. I mean, 100 percent. Keep in mind, this is the same band who said in one of the songs, record company people are shady. In a fair negotiation, maybe half. Right. But someone just kind of went, oh, okay. And Louis, so they've, they've never really been paid from that song. So I wonder if this means that now Lori Anderson continues to get the proceeds yes! from that song That's as crazy. the widow. Well, think about Paul McCartney. He wrote Yesterday by himself, but because of the deal he made with John Lennon, all songs would be split 50 50, which means that half of that song is going to Joko Ono, who wrote nothing. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, that, I'm sure that keeps you flush in catamaran docking fees. Keeps you in the Dakota. You think she still lives there? You would assume I, after after a while she may have moved out. out of, you know what? With that much money, you live everywhere. That's true. You know, you know what? I kind of think she does still live in the Dakota. I would have moved out after what happened, but, you know, if that was their home together, maybe she feels comfortable there. True. True. Speech felt that Prince did him a favor because it was a one-time payout. He didn't say, take it down, which is what happened to Biz Marquis. Biz Marquis did Alone Again Naturally by Gilbert O'Sullivan, sampled him without permission. Gilbert O'Sullivan said, take the song down. Of all the material that's coming back into print and is on streaming, not that song. Good luck finding hardly any complete Biz Marquis albums under any condition because of all the samples that were not cleared. So the lesson here, folks, is if you're going to take a sample, get either a great lawyer, get permission first, or both. Because that's how creativity works. 
ask my lawyer what she thinks. And with that, I'm going to play Tennessee by Arrested Development. Lord, I've really been real stressed Down and out, losing grace Although I am black and brown Problems got me pessimistic Brothers and sisters keep messing up Why does it have to be so damn tough? I don't know where I can go To let these ghosts out of my skull My grandma passed, my brother's gone I never at once felt so alone I know you're supposed to be my steering wheel Not just my spare tire
And that was Tennessee by Arrested Development. And that Tennessee, Tennessee sample was Prince. Who knew? That's why you listen to this show. I didn't know. Here's something else you may not know. Prince loved Kate Bush. Now, many people love Kate Bush because Kate Bush is a genius. And Kate Bush has wonderful songs. And one day, Kate Bush says, I would love to get Prince to sing on my song. So she sends Prince a track thinking he was just going to sing the background vocals that she asked him. <laughs> Prince sends back guitars and keyboards, different lines for the vocals, a whole, so much that, according to her, she spent two years trying to mix it. Wow. So well, it's not every day. He got inspired. He got inspired. It's from the album called The Red Shoes, came out in 93. The song is called Why Should I Love You? I have never heard a song like this in which it sounds like two geniuses in a room fighting over who's going to control the track. Do you remember Xanadu? <laughs> there was a song, I think it's called Dancing. It's Olivia Newton-John and The Tubes. And her song's like 50 style, and their song is 80 style. And at one point, they play both songs on top of each other, and it fits. It's a wonderful sort of puzzle piece clicking together fantastically. But this song, Why Should I Love You, just sounds like, it's my song now. No, no, it's my song now. So it's like, I'm the top. No, I'm the top. No, I'm the top. That's exactly what it sounds like. And I'm <laughs> going to play it for you right now. Kate Bush and Prince. Why should I love you? This chapter says Put it out of your mind we'll Give it time And purple, the purest gold, the red of the sacred heart, the gray of the ghost, the L of the lips are open to the O of the host, the V of the velvet. Yes. 
And that was the, in my estimation, extremely odd Why Should I Love You by Kate Bush secretly being pulled apart by Prince and then snapped back together to be a Kate Bush song. I see why it took two years. At some point you have to go, well, I can't not use this. But his part isn't, and this was maybe five years after Bat Dance, another song that sounds like it doesn't know what it wants to be. Bat Dance. Bat Dance is a song that I just kind of stare. You can't dance to it. It has four or five tempo changes. Most of the vocals aren't Prince. They're Jack Nicholson or Kim Basinger or Michael Keaton. And none of the lyrics have anything to do with Batman except when it says Batman. And it's it's a sound collage that we all bought. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it, too. It, I just kind of look at it and go, well, that's interesting. And this song also has that, wow, Prince is out there, but Prince is good out there. And believe it or not, that's just some of the secretly Prince songs, because if, honestly, this could have been a whole series. We could have gone on for weeks. <laughs> when Mark and Sean go, I think they're, they've died of thirst. They were trying to cover every secret Prince song, and they just perished. Speaking of perishing, thanks for being on my show, Sean. Sure, anytime. <laughs> and that is the end, listeners, of season one. Yes, you've been listening to the entire season of All Your Favorite Music is probably. Thank you all so much. Thank you all for subscribing. Thanks for all the reviews you left. Thanks for all the DMs you slid into. I appreciate them all. And if you want to know about season two, please follow me on the interwebs. I am on Instagram and Twitter. As Mr. French, that's M-R-F-R-3-N-C-H. I would like to have had M-R-F-R-E-N-C-H, but since I did not get to the interwebs as fast as the other Mr. French, I am M-R-F-R-3-N-C-H. Original music courtesy of Spiky Blimp. Thanks, and I'll see you on season two. Bye. Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure being your guest. As it should be. Originally broadcast on KACRLP Alameda. Underwritten by Tears of My Enemies, creator of luxury fashion items from a black femme goth perspective. Personalized boater hats, custom laser cut word statement earrings, and fried chicken bikinis now in stock. Learn more at etsy.com slash shop slash tears of my enemies.